Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. I am so glad that you are here. I got something exciting for you today. I'm doing an interview with Dr. Daniel Berger on ADHD. I'm not going to give you much information about that right now because I have extracted the audio portion from the video. And so I'm going to put the audio here and it lays out the whole reason as to why Daniel and I developed a mind map on the ADHD construct. Now the video is in the show notes and so you can listen to this. Of course, I know many of you are on the run and you just don't have the time to sit down and watch a video and I totally get that. I understand busy and that's why we wanted to present this information in two different places. One is audio and video. Now some of you want to watch the video. It's 53 minutes long and so what we're talking about here is basically a full-length webinar that you can watch and you're going to love it. Uh, this is a big issue that all of us parents have to deal with. We have to interact with. But also inside our churches and our other connections, we do have people that come to us and, and they're asking this question. They've been asking the ADHD question for years. Many of you have fielded those questions and, and you understand. You have concerned parents who have a child. They don't know what to do with the child. They need some direction. And that's why this podcast that I'm presenting here that you can listen to or the video that you can watch will be so beneficial for you. We did build a mind map, and so this mind map is also in these show notes. And so if you go to episode 267, that's this episode here, the title of it is Daniel Berger and Rick Thomas Analyze the ADHD Construct. And so you can get the mind map. You can get this audio and just send the podcast to someone. Say, hey, listen to this. If you want to sit down when you have more time, you can sit down and watch the full length uh, uh, the, the uh, video, uh, the webinar presentation, seminar, whatever we want to call it here, is 50, it's just under 53 minutes, and you can watch it. And in that video, what, what we do is that we, we pull out that mind map, we walk through it piece by piece, explaining it, and there is a ton of information there. Daniel Berger is a brilliant man. He is prolific. He produces a lot of resources. He speaks all over the country, and he does a lot of interaction with secular psychiatrists, a psychologist, people in the medical community. Some of them know our Christ, some of them do not. And it is just phenomenal to hear him tell stories about how uh, people who, who question, uh, scientific people, medical pe people, who really question what they are doing because they can't seem to find the answer. And then they interact with him and they they start learning about another worldview, and it's so persuasive. And so I just want to present Daniel here. Many of you know that Daniel and I started collaborating a couple of months ago. We have Life Over Coffee with Daniel Berger and Rick Thomas, and we are putting out uh, videos uh, that are on different subjects. Now, these are smaller videos. Most of them are around 11 minutes. We try to keep it somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes. Now, this is part of that series, Life Over Coffee with uh, Daniel Berger and Rick Thomas, but because of the subject matter, I actually had the timer set up, and I had it set for 30 minutes. We were going to do a 30-minute presentation on this ADHD construct, and 
we got down to like four minutes to go on my timer. I looked at it. We weren't halfway through, so I just said, "Forget about it. We're gonna go until we we're gonna go until we stop because the information is just that important." And so this video and the other Life Over Coffee with Daniel Berger Rick Thomas videos are on our website. You can go to our video page. We have more than 250 videos there. I would encourage you. Uh, to watch all of them as you can, bookmark that page, uh, share that those videos, any of them that benefit you. But I do want you to, if you can, watch this video as Daniel walks us through visually a mind map, the ADD, uh, ADHD construct. And so let's just jump right into the audio. There'll be a change in the sound as we go from what you're hearing right now to the actual video audio that I extracted from the video. There'll be a slight change, but I want you to hear what Daniel has to say. And of course, there is some uh, explanation as to why we built the uh, ADHD mind map and so forth. And then he walks us through it. Enjoy the audio. Hello, everyone. This is Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas and Daniel Berger. We're doing it a little different today because we have a mind map that we want to present to you. You see it on the screen, or at least part of it. Now, we're going to flow through this and, and give you it step by step. And also, if you want to download this mind map construct on ADHD, you're welcome to do that. You can share it with your friends. You can share this video as well. Daniel Berger has been studying this topic for a lot of years. He has written a book on it. And by the way, if you want him to speak to your organization about this topic or perhaps something else, then you are welcome to do that. All you have to do is reach out to him, and, and I'm sure that he would make that happen. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on this video. Thank you, Rick. I'm not in your living room, but this will work. And as Daniel and I were talking before we set up here, that perhaps as we have other things like this that we want to work through, that we'll do it this way instead of meeting live and in person face to face. Uh, we had a gentleman on our, uh, a supporter of our ministry from New Zealand. His name is Brian. And Daniel has a, his own uh, thread on our forums where people interact with him. And Brian asks a question. He is a biblical counselor. He was working with a family who has this diagnosis of ADHD. He's familiar with the mind maps that I do. And so he said, hey, do you have a mind map on this? And the question in business, I mean, the answer to every business question is always yes. And so, well, we don't have one, but we will build one. And so over a period of a couple of weeks, Daniel and I went back and forth with this mind map until we, we got it the way that we believe that it presents clearly and logically and of course biblically and so i was talking to daniel and i said hey man let's just do a a zoom call on this and we can present it so that people can have this uh, explanatory mind map and so that's again what we're going to do here brian in new zealand thank you so much for asking and so uh you ask we uh we deliver i hope this will be satisfying that you can put this with this mind map which you already have the mind map uh, but maybe this video will also help as Daniel is going to carefully walk us through it. So Daniel, I'm going to be shifting around the mind map. Uh, first of all, my, my first question to you is just give me your uh, overarching summary statement thoughts about this idea of ADHD. Yeah, and maybe too for the listener, we'll, we'll uh, uh, 
spell it out. It's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or uh, sometimes call it attention deficit disorder if there's no high energy uh, involved. And so uh, we'll just use the term ADHD as we discuss this. Uh, however, I, I prefer to call it attention uh, rather than attention. I prefer to call it um, interest deficit and not a disorder. It's the natural bent of every child. What do you mean by um, interest? So, uh, you know, we, we have a, as, as believers, we have uh, the scripture that gives us our anthropology, our phenomenology. It gives us our worldview. It gives us an understanding of who we are, uh, who our children are. And so specifically, the book of Proverbs is one of the, the premier uh, passages or, or texts, if you would, um, that, that gives us this understanding. And as you go through Proverbs, uh, we, we often say that wisdom is the major theme in, in the book of Proverbs. But it's actually, if you look at the, the uh, really the core behind uh, what wisdom is, is being presented there, it's actually for the son, specifically in, in the text, and that, that includes any child, to love wisdom to desire wisdom above all else. So if you were to go to chapter two, for example, um, it, it talks about seeking for wisdom as gold or silver. And um, throughout the book of Proverbs, it compares wisdom to this gorgeous, attractive uh, virgin that every man desires to marry and or should de desire to marry. And uh, so uh, another metaphor is, is wisdom as honey as you know food as sweets uh so the the three things that are mentioned throughout that men and, and all children should desire really in, in regard to wisdom the metaphors that are used are money uh, uh an attractive you know if i can even use the word gorgeous uh the the, the ultimate if you would bride um and then food and and three things that really speak to men and that we desire and so that's that's what we we see as far as how wisdom is portrayed. That this is the highest thing that you could value. If you if you go after it like gold and silver, then you will find life essentially. So when I when I say this is an interest deficit, what secularists are doing, of course, in evolutionary theory, uh, they perceive that kids naturally have self control. That they naturally have the okay. right interests. Right. And what we see in scripture is that we as parents have to teach them the right interests. In other words, their interest is turned on themselves, which, uh, uh, as we'll talk about the 18 behaviors reflect this. So I call it an interest deficit rather than an attention deficit. Okay. So, uh, we have two potential interest things. Uh, let's say this one is godly and this is ungodly you're saying that our natural bend is to look toward the ungodly and that's who we are as people. And so right. when you have a child that is focused this way, that's not unusual. That's not abnormal. According to your book, right. we're saving abnormal. Um, so what we want to do is examine this uh, and then redirect, help them. Of course, this is a spirit led 
God-empowered regenerative thing ultimately that has to happen so that their interest changes here. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. And so as we were talking uh, with Brian and then you and I were interacting with this mind map, the first thing that you mentioned to me, and it's at the heading of the mind map right now, is, is two or more authority figures must agree. Now, there's a list here of several authority figures, coach, scout leader, parent teacher, youth leader, and then there's et cetera, because there's more authorities than this limited number. So Daniel, uh, just give me your snapshot of that, the, the introduction to this mind map. Yeah, so um, again, we're, we're using a secular label, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, and I will say a lot of people don't realize that Dr. George Still uh, in 1902 actually gave the first label that was official uh, to these same behaviors in, in uh, what, what can be observed in, a, in many children. Uh, and that was a morbid defect in moral control. Uh, so behavior was looked at as a moral issue and specifically, um, the, the, I would say a good portion of the behaviors are moral issues. Uh, many are not though. So this isn't all sin. We're not, we're not saying that we're saying that we're all born misdirected attention on ourselves. Um, so to, to start this map, um, you know, the, the, essentially what has to happen is in two or more settings, people have to observe that the child isn't listening, that they're full of energy, that they're out of their seat, that they're, they're basically fulfilling one of these 18 behaviors that we'll get to later. Uh, but typically it's happening in school and in, in the home. Those are the two areas where parents right. are going, wow, th my child is, has so much energy that it's, it's um, kind of distressful for all of us and it's impairing and typically in, in the school setting that their grades are not what we would think that our child should make. Therefore, there must be something wrong. So it's a performance um, uh, perspective as well, uh, especially in school. So two or more authority figures are looking at this child, and of course they're looking through their own lens, and that's the next part of the mind map. This is a subjective lens, uh, and what they're looking at, as you just mentioned, they're looking at their behavior. And so now they're, they have to interpret it, they have to bring analysis to what they're looking. That's a normal an appropriate human response. I mean, we, right. we want to look, we want to observe, we want to diagnose. And so we're doing that through our lens, looking at the behavior. Now on the mind map, we're at the behavioral assessment. And this is not an exhaustive list, but we have uh, impairing, and, and you can pick out any of these that you actually want to touch on before we move past this. But through the subjective lens, looking at the behavior, some of the assessments that is made impairing, distressful, uncontrolled, subjective, actually, I want to ask you about that one. What could that be? Antisocial, childish, and then trouble paying attention in some areas of life. Now, when I look at these descriptors, uh, I think I just identified <laughs> definitely me, but pretty much every kid in school uh, right. is some version of this. But uh, Add your two cents, but uh, speak to the subjective one. That seems like a, a, the miscellaneous file in my financial bu bucket that <laughs> kind of throws all the stuff in that I'm not uh, sure what it sure. is. 
Well, let me let me go back to the moral lens just a second before we go to the next part there, because I think it's important to to emphasize that we all are observing behavior. Yeah. So we're not denying that that the child is misbehaving, uh, not performing well, uh, has high energy. You know, we're, no one's denying that. We're, there's clearly an issue that needs to be addressed and then hopefully resolved. Um, but as Proverbs 20, 11 says, a child is known by their doings or by their behaviors. And then the next part of that is whether his conduct is pure and upright. So our, our moral lens is going to determine how we interpret uh, who the child is and where they're at. And so, again, as you well said, we don't fault seculars for observing behavior and then making a moral judgment. The problem is that the the ADHD construct is, in fact, the result of a a moral system that is apart from God. That that's the issue that we're saying. Well, the behaviors are there, but Scripture addresses these behaviors, um, and seculars admit themselves that these are normal behaviors. That's the, that's the other thing. These aren't even abnormal behaviors. So, getting now to this this behavioral assessment and specifically what you asked on subjective. Um, so what, what determines if these behaviors, since they're normal, like a child getting out of a seat when he's asked to remain seated, as an example, or uh, answering a question before it's asked, or cutting in line, these are all behaviors that are, that are um, of the 18 that are listed. Um, all of these behaviors actually start with the word often. So often gets out of a seat when expected to remain seated. Well, how many times is often? That, that puts this whole entire construct immediately uh, there's no objectivity. There can't be objectivity. So for you, Rick, it could be if a child gets out three times, then they have to have ADHD. If, for me, it could be no nope, one time. If they're not obeying, then something's not right. Well, this this uh, poses numerous problems. And, and um, of course, I've written on this in my book, but also articles on your website that um, we, we can't really even discuss what we're talking about ADHD because everybody has a different opinion. Right. And they, they, I believe they purposely set this up so that any, any child can qualify. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this diagnosed over and over and over again, basically by a teacher who does a behavioral assessment and a parent who says, this isn't what I, I wanted in my child. Or here's another one uh, going back again to that moral lens is, well, my first child acts like this and now this child has come along and they don't look at all the same and so we're, we're actually setting up normal to be based on our different children which is really not only dangerous but not not right not fair as god has made us all differently so the let subjective me, me, aspect yes i'll speak to that one just for i mean that's, yeah, yeah that, go ahead well that's our political climate is that we want to make everybody equal and right. we we engineer that so that there can be equality either bringing some down to elevate up whatever and it's, it's really a false paradigm and it's a you can't get to that conclusion and it, it will collapse on you and so what you're addressing there reminds me of my first and second child my first child was compliant easy to parent in in so many ways my our second child uh, i've said this uh, several times whenever he would get sick uh and, and i may or may not have prayed that he get sick but whenever he would get sick uh, i could hold him because he had never found a seat that he loved 
and uh, he's constant motion. And so, you know, our biggest prayer for him through childhood, he, at this point, he's 17, is that he make it through childhood and not kill himself because he's just, he's a, he's a, he's a mobile creature. And you, you could say he had ADHD. We didn't obviously go that route with him, uh, but he learned his math uh, standing on his head uh, literally like standing on his head. I mean, he, that's how he could, you know, focus cause he was, he, he was homeschooled. So he was an active kid. And that does bring a problem within an education environment. Uh, but also a, a miniature trampoline and, uh, he, he did very well, but we had to, rather than medicating him and making him less than uh, basically just dumbing him down and, in, 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 or numbing him in a sense. But, uh, we had to come up with alternative ways to, and of course there is a self-control element there too. I mean, there's a sin issue as well as an organic issue. I mean, he's just wired differently. And so I didn't want to break his personality per se. And so we just had to blend those two things together and, and try to do it in, in the best that we knew how. And it turned out very well, uh, but most definitely two children the analogy you bring up is, is very real to probably all of us if we have more than right. one child absolutely i mean we we uh my wife and i laugh about our four children and how different they are right um you know there are similarities of course but we we have to be very careful not to establish normalcy for one of them and typically it's that first one especially right. if you get a as you said an easy to parent <laughs> right easy to parent a uh, child. Um, but I, I'll yeah, also yeah, you're, add... You're, you're right. It's, that's actually not true because it, <laughs> right, it, right. it shifts somewhere else. Right. That's, that's as, exactly as right. As far right. as the they, difficulty is concerned. Yeah. And, and, and that may be... Well, I'll stay on this subjective idea just a second because a lot of children get labeled ADHD and there's, there's actually a not otherwise specified. So NOS uh, diagnoses um, uh, not otherwise specified ADHD that a lot of children get diagnosed. So literally you don't have to meet the qualifications of having nine of the, the 18 behaviors in two different settings. Um, if, if, if your behavior is impairing and distressful and, and hurting your performance, if you would, then a child can be labeled as not, not otherwise specified. And it literally says to throw out the criteria. So this is this adds to the subjectivity because essentially it's um, parents and teachers say there's a problem. The clinician goes, yep, there's a problem, even though I don't see all these behaviors. So therefore they have this ADHD. And that that leads to the next uh, reality that this is the ADHD has never been discovered. You, ca you can't actually uh, objectively look at ADHD. Uh, no child is actually diagnosed. They're simply described or labeled as ADHD, they're categorized as ADHD. And as you said, your son fit that criteria. I would have fit that criteria, but now that high energy, um, God, God is using uh, to further his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I mean, there, in some cases I can see a situation to where the child is not meeting my expectations. And so therefore there's a diagnosis. All right, so as we move through, uh, you know, what we have here are, are two or more uh, authority figures agree, however they come to this place, looking through a subjective moral lens at this behavior. Here are some of the categories in the DSM-5. There are actually 18 of them. 
listed. And so now we break off. And so we're going into two different world views. And so one of them is the DSM-5. The other is through the lens of God's Word. So we've already broken off uh, with the subjective lens because depending on which pair of glasses you have, I mean, you're already divided into two worldviews at that juncture. You're going to, two people looking at the same behavior will draw two different conclusions because it's two different lens that they're looking through. And so the subjective lens is going to make them consistent in where they land here, either on the DSM-5 side worldview or if they're looking at it through a biblical lens, they will land in God's Word. Same problem, very real, nobody's denying it, but now we're in two different camps. And so Daniel, on the mind map, we're looking at DSM-5, which moves out through a clinician, counselor, pediatrician, psychologist, lens of God's Word. We have three, and again, these are not exhaustive listings, but pastor, counselor, disciple, I mean, disciple maker, uh, a friend. All right, so you, you want to speak to these two authority help? parent there as well. Yeah, um, parent, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, there's, like you said, there's numerous others we could add there. Uh, I'll start on the DSM-5 side there on the left and uh, simply uh, point out again that we have to interpret the behavior according to that moral lens. And so that's why ADHD exists. And, and of course, the DSM-5 is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the fifth edition. And they essentially look at, uh, and it's called the Psychiatric Bible. So really, these are antithetical views. Um, you can try to integrate, but the problem is that, uh, first of all, attention, as an example, biblically, it, the normal bent of a child is to struggle with attention. The DSM-5 is saying that the normal bent is to pay attention in the way that they should, and when they don't, something is wrong. They're disordered, they're abnormal, which you'll see that progression going through. The second thing uh, that's a, a really big problem is the outcome. As you, um, as you look at the chart there at the very end, you know, what's the end game here? And what psychiatrists are basically doing is saying, we want to control behavior and produce a, a, an acceptable outcome, which is usually grades go up. And, and, and I know I'm skipping around, but I think it's important to kind of get this big right, picture. Right. And uh, so drugs that are given to children are performance enhancement drugs. And people can get mad at me. That, that is a well-known fact. That's what stimulants do. They stimulate. And so uh, athletes that take them have an advantage, which is why they're banned. Uh, for example, in the Olympics, they're banned in sports. There have to be uh, exemptions that are offered in order for this to happen because it really is uh, an advantage. It's a performance enhancement. And so what happens is uh, people uh, that, that I've counseled uh, numerous times say, well, that the medicine, and I put that in quotes, are helping. And I say, how are they helping? Well, their grades went up. Okay, so you're saying that the drugs help performance to enhance, be enhanced. That's exactly what the drugs do. If you and I take them, our performance will be enhanced. In fact, that's the number one abused um, class of psychiatric drugs. Uh, mothers even go get their kids diagnosed. I, I, I've uh, cited numerous uh, case studies on this. 
where moms get their children diagnosed so that they can take the drug because it does increase uh, energy and performance alertness. Um, it absolutely does. That. It doesn't mean there's a deficiency in the child. It just means the drugs are going to do what they're going to do. And I'm, I'm going to that because again, what, what is the preferred outcome versus scripture? We're, we're not after producing uh, behavior um, that is just good. We, we are after the heart. So going back up again, uh, DSM-5 versus the biblical lens now, once, once a child is plugged into the DSM-5, immediately they're now viewed as abnormal or disordered versus what scripture says. Again, you look at Proverbs 22, 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Uh, and I think for our listeners, just to not assume that everyone knows what scripture means by foolishness. Uh, in fact, there's a, on my website, uh, drdanielberger.com, there's actually a whole uh, PDF you can download at no cost and look at the biblical fool, the three categories of the biblical fool. And um, that's, that's there if, if uh, people want it. But essentially, foolishness is our natural bent of listening to ourselves not listening to God and the authority that he's established in our life. That, that's just a quick, um, basically wanting my wisdom, not God's wisdom. Yeah, there's so, a, I want to go back to a point before foolishness and the implied point is pragmatism. So there's an element of pragmatism here that we have a determined outcome that we want. And so if you set up the outcome, the desired expectation, then you just engineer whatever it takes, which becomes right. pragmatism to get to that desired end. And so there there can be a danger of of setting up the end game or the end goal, and then whatever it takes to get there, that that's highly problematic. Right. It, it's almost like looking at... Um, you know, if, if I was a bodybuilder, which clearly I'm not, um, and not. I, I took steroids and I started getting really big and buff. You um, are big. And then, yeah. And uh, then, then I could essentially frame this as I had a deficiency of steroids because look at the end result. I got, I got buff. So clearly I had a deficiency of steroids. No, the, the drug is actually enhancing performance again. And, and that's, uh, I think, a good uh, illustration of what we're, we're talking about here. If it's framed as medicine, it's, it's actually fixing something. And, and by fixing, I mean something that is not right uh, in the body. And that's not the, the case biblically, but it's not even the case within drug action, you know, in, in pharmacology. Yeah. I, I, I don't care about you being 12 feet tall. I just want your hair. <laughs> well that's uh this is uh, yeah. my covid this is my covid beard right here <laughs> yeah uh, which looks it, a little different from yours the, the the grass is always greener on the other side right <laughs> but um anyway so go, going back to now the biblical lens if we shift to the right side of this this mind map um is the child normal or abnormal in other words are these 18 behaviors normal and, and again, as I've pointed out both in, in my book, The Truth About ADHD, as well as um, when I speak on the subject, all the secularists admit that these are normal behaviors. Every, everybody, if you, if you honestly look at this, um, in fact, some, uh, several psychologists say if, if they were to do some type of Orwellian 
uh, survey, we the the amount of ch- most children would fit into this, right? Right. Um, because we all these are normal behaviors, and they're normal. Um, again, going to the idea of, of foolishness here. So there's a real danger uh, when when you we start labeling children as disordered, they take that on themselves. So we're stigmatizing them, we're setting them aside, and it's it's they live out what's called the self fulfilling prophecy. If you tell someone, well, you're you can't pay attention, then there's a problem. So I, I want to just take a, uh, a moment here um, and and look at biblically. Um, is attention, first of all, let's look at attention, a real problem. So on a practical level, before we look at scripture, um, almost all the children that I've counseled, and there's, I would say, probably 12, 12 to 20 exceptions um, to this, most of them not only can pay attention, but again, reflecting back to that interest deficit, they'll play video games for, for hours upon end, three hours at a time, they'll right. remember lines from movies, so it's not a problem of paying attention. It's a problem of interest if they don't find interest. Yep, and the DSM on, on page 61 actually says that, that uh, children labeled when they find enough interest or they're in a novel setting or they're being supervised. Imagine that. Supervision for kids is, is uh, it's almost like that's an exception to the rule. Again, showing this where normal begins is how we determine if there's even an abnormality. You can't do it otherwise. And normal has not been established within the secular paradigm. Yeah, that's a basic counseling <laughs> question where someone, uh, the wife comes in and says, "My husband doesn't talk," and the question I ask, he 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 doesn't talk or he he won't talk in certain uh, uh, situations. And so, is he a universal mute, uh, meaning everywhere he goes, he doesn't right. talk? Well, no. I mean, he talks to his friends. I mean, he you know, talks at work, loves talking about sports. Oh, so it's not that he can't talk. It's that he's choosing not to talk in certain situations. And that's, that's right. what you're describing here, that when yeah. you look at the child, you want to see this universality of personality that's consistent across all spectrums. And if there's inconsistency, then you want to look into that. And one of the inconsistencies that you're identifying is that he can really focus on Minecraft and just dial in and, and do that for you know three hours, etc. But he can't sit still at the table. Okay, well then we're we're not talking about um, an organic problem in this instance we're talking about a spiritual issue because he has two different interests right and and you know again that is the natural bent we're, we're, we're not talking about an abnormality we're right. talking about the natural bent is to want what i want when i want it how i want it this is this is what children do and so going now to a biblical lens um if if you in fact uh, uh Based on this, I've, I've got a book teaching a child to pay attention. And we're going to have a um, link to that in the, in the uh, descriptor of the video so that okay. you all can jump out uh, on uh, Amazon and, and get that. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, and, and so you look at the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, ten times there's a phrase and a pattern repeated, and that's, that's um, what led to this book. Uh, my son, give me your attention. In other words, scripture assumes that every child is going to struggle to give attention as they should. 
And I, I should also know this is a 21 year old man. <laughs> so um, for those of you, you know, listing and saying, you know, men, men struggle to pay attention. Well, if they're watching a football game, their interest is on the football game. All right. And that that's really uh, a basic of attention is that we give our attention to whatever we find the most interest in. And that's, incredibly important as we look at this. So what they're trying to describe in the ADHD, it's not a good label, really. It's not even an attention deficit. It's, it's a misnomer. They, this is actually the seventh label since 1902, and they still haven't gotten it right. Um, they, keep, they keep changing it. <clears throat> the real issue here is uh, desires or interests and what we treasure, we give our attention to. Mm -hmm. So the father is saying, my son, give me your attention over and over. He's repeating it over and over again. And, it, and it's hilarious because uh, I know these truths. And yet when I have to repeat myself to my children over and over again, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, what is wrong with these kids that I have to repeat myself over and over again? And uh, when I speak, and especially at teachers conference, I'll ask them the same thing. And I say, how many of you feel like you just, all you do is repeat yourself and everybody raises their hand because this is our human being. God himself repeats things over and over. We know this. This is how we learn through desire and repetition. And so that that's what the book of Proverbs is establishing that normal children struggle to pay attention. Exact opposite of what we're being told that normal children basically have it together when it comes to attention. And then there's something abnormal when there's a struggle. So th this is, again, that subjectivity. Uh, seculars have no objective way to say this is, this is when it's abnormal, except to say what they say on page 21 of the DSM-5, if it causes distress or it, it causes impairment and it's persistent. So in other words, uh, if you go to the DSM-5, ADHD is allegedly only abnormal. It only exists if the child misbehaves for six months or more in two different settings. Why six months? All right, so we have two or more authority figures looking at a kid. We have two potential lenses for doing that. We're looking at 18 different slices of, of behavioral data. Uh, and then it, it continues this dual track. Uh, it moves down through a DSM-5 uh, through the lens of God's Word, it folds back in, and depending on, on the interpretive filter now, God's Word or DSM-5, you're looking at the child. All right, so then we expand out, back out again. And so, Daniel, at the bottom of the mind map, we have uh, two more parallel tracks or uh, silos or, or whatever we want to call it. So over on the left, uh, in the green, we have boys, girls, age, IQ, etc. It breaks down to... Uh, compare normal, abnormal, uh, medication preferred outcome. So l let's talk about that leg uh, first, and then we'll move over to this the other one. Yeah. Um, so a lot of children, and, and I mentioned the 12 to 20 cases, um, a lot of children that get diagnosed uh, as ADHD actually are autistic. And I'm finding more and more children actually, actually diagnosed with both, which is an impossibility. Autism is many things and that may be a whole nother topic right. uh it is a whole nother topic um in, in the truth about adhd i do have a whole chapter to distinguish this as well because i think it's important to note this 
but this is an organic autism is an organic it's a bodily or somatic problem it's a what they call a neurodevelopmental problem so there there's a delay in the development of of listening whether it's the the sensory processing whether it's the eyes the ears etc and interestingly enough scripture does not ignore uh, our dual nature in fact is it establishes that so in the 10 times that the father says my son give me your your attention, he immediately starts with the sensory organs. He starts with the eyes and the ears. Keep them before your eyes. Uh, don't let them depart from your ears. And then he goes to the heart, the spiritual heart. So we're looking at a very uh, important framework, if you would. You have you have the attend attentive organs, the eyes and the ears, and then the heart. Um, and interestingly enough, in Hebrew, the word attention means that you're actually living it out. You're, you're going to do the imperative. You're going to obey what has been commanded. Um, but it has to go in through the eyes and the ears. If, if you don't have your child's eyes and ears, then you don't have their attention. Right. And it's, it's funny as you, you talk to a three-year-old or a four-year-old, as you tell them, look me in the eyes, they'll fight it. Uh, their their innate desire to listen to themselves and not listen to their authority, their pride, because this this requires humility for us to honor our father and mother, which means we're giving attention to someone, just like we would if somebody was on the stage. We're we're awarding them, we're giving them our eyes and ears and our attention. Uh, it requires humility on the child's part, and children will. I mean, you tell them look in your eyes, and they'll immediately look away, and you yeah. have to keep drawing them back and teach them. Yeah, I want to speak to that for just a second. Pardon the, the, the interruption. No, go, yeah. Uh, this is a big deal for us in parenting our children, like from the beginning, is to make eye contact. Uh, that bonding that happens, I, I read one story in a, a, a book uh, called The Cyber Effect, uh, where the, the person was looking at this uh, mother and infant and the mother and the infant uh, breastfeeding, and they were on a train, and the mother was breastfeeding the child and looking at her like this. And that, I mean, right at birth, that child needs that bonding with the mom, and that's something that uh, you want to maintain the dad and the mom throughout the child's life, spending that time talking but not just talking, but looking them in the eye. And unfortunately, this thing right here uh, is one of the biggest deterrents to what you are talking about. And so you are addressing how difficult it is for the child to do that because they're nor to look away. Their normal behavior is to do that. Well, we as parents can also uh, complicate this problem because we are so distracted. And so this is a big deal uh, and I'm speaking more on the parental side for Lucia and I, this was huge with our children. And if you talk to them today, uh, I mean, it's just the way they are. They will look you dead in the eye. I mean, they will stare yep. you dead in the eye. Yep. Uh, but, but there was a training there because they didn't come out of the womb that way. They came out of the womb That's right. distracted because they had, and so they needed that shaping and, this thing right here, uh, the mobile phone, yep. is a huge distraction. And we parents are, in some situations, we're complicating matters because we have too many things that are between us and our children. And so we, we now, it's normal to communicate 
while multi, what we call multitasking, which is an impossibility, you can't do that. Right. Uh, you're either focused on one thing or the other. So it just complicates the problem that you're, you are addressing. And, and that, and that is ex what you're saying is exactly what, what Proverbs is, is laying out for us that we have to, I mean, he, he says, give me, give me your attention, let your eyes. So literally he's teaching his, his son to, uh, pay attention with, with the sensory organs. And, and I, I think this is a huge step that we've overlooked in our society, as you're saying, uh, first of all, parents don't know how to pay attention. Right. They, they don't know how to give attention. Right. Uh, we, we don't yell instructions to our children across the house. We make them come to us. We sit them down and we have conversation. Uh, when we go out to eat, we went out to eat Saturday night to celebrate uh, one of our daughter's birthdays and uh, there's no phones out. We don't pull our phones out. We're having uh, intimate conversation with our family. Yeah. Uh, we, we've made it a, a point to show them that they are more valuable. Again, interest, what you give your attention to establishes what, what your values are. And so they know that, um, you know, it, it is a huge, huge thing that has to happen in the home and kids respond to that. They, they not only learn to pay attention, but they in, in turn start yeah. giving you uh, uh, honor, if you would, which is what the New Testament Paul addresses, um, right. that this is the duty of children is to honor. And, and that happens by giving attention by their eyes and their ears. They reciprocate. So That's you, right. You have uh, boys, girls, age IQ. All right. So and there's other criteria there. But then we compare. Now, you talked about this earlier with, you know, kid one, kid two. And so you have the normal kid, the abnormal kid, and this again gets down to the preferred outcome. And so again, we have addressed that. And so we, we set up the standard or the bar that we want, and then we just have to figure out how to get that kid to that place, medication or no medication. So equality for all, and that is a huge yeah. problem. Now you've talked a good bit on the, this other leg. Uh, we have the natural spiritual heart condition. You have. Let, let me let go, me jump in. Okay. One thing on the uh, boys, girls, age, IQ, etc. Okay. Um, the the statistics are incredibly high for the youngest boys specifically being diagnosed as ADHD that are in a classroom. So if you think about ADHD is listed as a neurodevelopment problem, it's, it's not a neurological problem. Right. It is a developmental problem. So if if uh, case in point, my son uh, turned five right before the deadline for starting kindergarten this year. And we held him back because we know he's not ready to fit into an academic system. That's the other thing. We, we've standardized an academic system where we're expecting all kids to fit into this. So in a lot of ways, ADHD is actually a failure for the academic system to, um, I don't want to use the word cater to children, but every child is different. And so we're expecting children to all be the same. Well, the youngest is going to be developmentally behind. So he's automatically going to be looked at as something's not right, right. which isn't fair. Right. And that's why the, the statistics are through the roof for boys who have high energy, who are already behind girls. Girls typically mature uh, at, a, at a much faster rate. Uh, this is a, a, a disaster for boys, uh, this whole label. Yeah, we, we, we're going to have to uh, wrap up here, but the points are, okay. the points are too good. Uh, I, I do want to you know, talk about another 
study. Uh, the question is, uh, you know, who's a great hockey player? Who's a great baseball player? Who's a great football football player? And uh, or, or actually, the specific question is, I can tell you within a three month range of when uh, this outstanding athlete was born. Uh, and that's the study. And, and the range is January to March. And the reason for that is, is what you just said, that these kids who go into uh, sports training at five years of age, you know, in Canada, praise God for Canada, all my Canada friends, they put them out on the ice. Well, a kid who's five years old, who's born on January the 1st, who goes in through to hockey development and then the kid who will be five that year in October, he can't start. Now, I don't know what the age requirements are. This is just an illustration, but it's true. He can't start till the next January when he's old enough to enter the, the hockey league. And I don't know anything about hockey as far as the sports concerned, uh, but it also happens across sports uh, paradigms is that those that have it's such a highly developmental age for the child that those who have basically one year of training and development in a sport are way ahead than these other kids who are the same age but they're they don't qualify and they have to wait a year and so there's been a study which is just fascinating and they went through a whole list of these outstanding Hall of Famers, and like all of them were born between January and March. Interesting. And they started their training, and they had a year head start on their male counterparts who became five later on. Yeah, that was uh, it was quite striking. All right, so now on this other leg, we have the natural heart condition. We've talked about this. You've gone into the autism thing which was outstanding that will benefit a lot of people because that is a common question and we're still running down this dichotomy within the biblical paradigm of two tracks not organic uh depravity spiritual soul etc organic fragility uh, you talk about autism um attentive organs and then Again, we're coming back to this idea of normal. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's not, you know, fear of man should not come into play with a parent, you know, as we compare our, our children. And honestly, that is a thing for virtually all of us because all of us don't get the bumper sticker that says, you know, my kid is, is a straight A student or, or whatever. And I've always wanted one that said my kid is a, is a C straight <laughs> a straight C student for the glory of God. Uh, but there's a competitive element here that leads right. to the pragmatism that we've been talking about. And so you have a list of things, misplaced attention, uh, fallen motives, foolish behavior. Now, ultimately, uh, salvation obviously is the key. That is a gift from God, but we don't want to wait to that hopeful day when they are regenerated, even though that in itself is a subjective uh, assessment that we make as parents. I think we would probably have to wait till our children are 25 or 35 years of age, but we can, can we can, uh, if regeneration is the glove, we can shape the hand uh, with biblical ideas and principles and modeling and just teaching these concepts from Proverbs. Uh, and a child can behave that way. And then ultimately, like if God regenerates them, you know, then the glove or the hand fits perfectly in the glove and they have the, the full package, so to speak. 
Uh, is there, uh, I do want to touch on the medical part just for a second because it's up at the top of the mind map. Yeah. But is there anything as we wrap up uh, on this, the yellow leg here, uh, I've I just blew through all of it. I know we've touched on all of it, but I also didn't want to overlook any point that you wanted to make on the yellow leg there. Yeah, but on the uh, sticking with the red uh, before we get to that though. Where's um, where's the where are we? The the organic okay the, the fragility versus uh, uh, the okay yeah yeah yeah. Are you colorblind? Well, I I wanted to point out that if there is a legitimate physical problem like autism, yeah, then seeing a physician is is incredibly necessary. Right. And so one of the ways, a quick way, if a child should be paying attention within their age group to something, so like a movie, for example, uh, you have a, a party and the kids are watching, um, let's say that, that these are seven, eight-year-old kids and they watching Finding Nemo or whatever movie, um, and that child has no interest in that, and this is a consistent pattern in their life, and clearly there's a problem. So if it's selective and their attention is based on their interest, uh, then then that is a heart issue. That goes into the depravity issue. I've got to teach them where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So parents' job is to teach values and uh, to like the, the, the Tar Heels, for example. My job is to teach Is that a spiritual problem or to not? like the Tar It is, absolutely. If someone cheers for a devil, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah I, I, I say it's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem if you don't like the Tariels. That's exactly uh, okay. Right. I just so, wanted clarification on that. Yes, yes. I want to be um, right with the Lord. That's right. So I'm teaching my my children the important truths of, yes. of life. Indoctrination uh, is is important. But but all uh, joking aside, if if a child is showing that there there is a problem with interest across all spectrums of life, then they need to be looked at. They're they're specifically their eyes, their ears, and then uh, evaluating for autism. Uh, but those don't exclude the reality that even a child that falls on an uh, the autism spectrum uh, has heart issues that need to be addressed, and that's where you see it going back into the depravity. Uh, issue. We're, we're all dual nature. Uh, and many of these kids that are labeled autistic, and give some hope here because it, it's important, uh, because that's a neurodevelopmental problem, they can develop out of uh, these issues. And so that's that's not talked about enough. And that's a whole nother topic. Right. Again, I'll leave alone. But, um, you know, we, we can't ignore the physical problems, but the physical problems will make themselves clear. If God says it's a moral issue, then we don't need to pervert it and make it into a, a physical problem. That's essentially what a lot of ADHD is. Um, I know some people aren't going to like that, but uh, getting out of your seat when told to remain seated means that the child is disobeying. It doesn't mean that there's just hyperactivity. Right. And that's a mislead, and, and we won't have time to go into all the behaviors here. Right. Um, but that is, that is essentially an issue that has to be addressed. Uh, there are moral issues within this construct. Yeah. Um, versus you know the the organic side that the child just is really struggling to be to pay attention in every aspect of life all righty what we have here is a mind map for our friend brian in new zealand brian there you have it uh daniel berger uh we will have links to various things at the top of the mind map i mentioned uh off to the side of those authorities there is a a doctor authority 
he's looking through an objective lens. We are, are assuming that they're, they're measure, it's a measurable diagnosis, that there's uh, objective data there. And again, Daniel has clearly explained, uh, you know, one, uh, it's not that the problem is unreal. The problem is real. There are competing viewpoints on how to address it. There are organic and non-organic issues, and it is really stunning how the Bible can speak to both of those. And if you need a, a medical help, uh, every competent biblical counselor would applaud that. And so the medical community is a part of it if that is the issue that we are addressing. If you have any questions about this, can I, can yeah, I have yeah, one yeah. more thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is an important point that we can develop in other videos or further. But uh, sleep is another organic thing that a lot of kids are not getting yeah. enough of, and that will directly affect attention in in huge, huge, measurable ways, as well as even atrophy uh, the frontal lobes. So the, sleep is a, a whole another topic, but. Um, I find a lot of children who struggle to pay attention, uh, they're not getting adequate sleep. So. Yeah, the, uh, the computer Sorry light. Yeah, no, 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 no problem. The computer light, uh, you know, looking at the computer, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, uh, uh, mess, messing with your uh, melatonin and, and, and so forth. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge deal. Again, I mean, coming back to this here. Uh, and not just this, I'm not putting everything on the mobile phone, but uh, as far as eye contact, I was talking about earlier what you're addressing with sleep. There's other things that inhibit sleep, and we will maybe talk about that in a, <laughs> another video. We'll have links here in this uh, video here. Uh, there'll be an audio. Of course, you can just listen to it. I want you to get the mind map. It's free. We're giving, giving that away. There'll be a link to where you can ask, access that. You can talk to Daniel on his thread on our website. I have a link to his website, the various books that we have mentioned. Any questions, let us know how we can serve you. Thank you so much for watching Mind Mapping and ADHD Construct with Dr. Daniel Berger. Have a blessed day. All righty, I'm back. Wasn't that fantastic? Let me wrap up here. If you want to talk to Daniel about this, he does have a thread on our a community forum and so you can reach out to him it is exclusively for him and so if you have a specific question about adhd or maybe something else that you want to talk to him about just jump on our free community forum and you can ask him that question do give him some lag time because he is a busy fellow and so sometimes he can't be just johnny on the spot but we will get it to him and we'll make sure that he answers your question if we can serve you in any other way all you have to do is ask thank you so much for listening to this podcast you have been listening to life over coffee with rick thomas if you have a question for rick you can let him know by sending him a note through his website rickthomas.net that's rickthomas.net thanks for listening enjoy your coffee